When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hi, everyone. So here we are again. Yes, many of us were slapped by the twin forces of a popular move, which ostensibly has gone wrong, alongside the discarded superstar reminding us that as Hindu Monkey implores us to outline, luck plays a heavier part than most of us would imagine in FPL at the end of the day, as a good portion of the engaged manager world was slapped by Salah and Liverpool. It felt like a Me Too game week in many ways for a huge chunk of the community, with schadenfreude and empathy both running as widespread as the terrible takes which seem to be an abiding feature of the FPL discourse nowadays. I'm back on the beers for this one, so I won't be as dejected as I've perhaps seen last week. Yes, Lucy, Fun Bobby is back. And uh, I think we actually went from thinking, oh, we might not have much to talk about this week initially to actually now having a lot to get through. So let's get to it. How are you, Lucy? I'm not too bad. Southampton won a game at home for the first time since August. So, you know, life life can never be too bad on such a rare occasion. Although I am going to ignore FPL for the foreseeable future. We are Who Got the Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Hynett. On the pod today, we'll ramble through a few points from this week in the form of a mailbag pod. There have been lots of questions from the community this week, so thanks for those. Through this, we'll be covering all sorts of topics, uh, wildcard regrets, Liverpool, of course, forward planning, content creator influence, and a few other bits and bobs. Just so you know, we're recording on the evening of the 6th of March, having paused from the Brentford game at half time for many, many reasons. Yeah, yeah, best to just get away from that one before Ivan Tony collects his uh, ninth yellow cards and just sets the captaincy uh, discussion alight. Hopefully we'll know that by the time we reach there. But hey, who knows? I'm sure it'll be like a 93rd minute melee with, I don't know, Manus Solomon or something like that. I, I like that you called the Manus Solomon goal just before it happened. That was I know. Impressive. I know. I'm sure sure everyone kind of, I think actually when the team sheet came out, everyone was like, oh yeah, Manus Solomon's definitely scoring today. It was a, another... Another free kick that hit the bar and then just header from two yards. And that, that Mbwemo fella, like he could, could have got a hat trick within the first 20 minutes, obviously did nothing, and uh, then lost his man. So, yeah, turning attack into defence, Brian Mbwemo, as usual. So the game's just finishing. So no mini-league update here just yet, I'm afraid, I think, this week. Um, market forces are probably doable before we get into our own teams. Unsurprisingly dominated by... What's to come? Matoma, my boy, uh, no longer a boy, now a man in the eyes of the community, uh, bought by 250,000 managers ahead of that Bryson double game week. Ivan Tony as well, 130,000 managers have seen enough, bought him in ahead of, uh, I think it's Everton Southampton, two away games for them. Interesting to see how that one goes. But Esther Pinion, another one of my boys who have now become men, 130,000 transfers in for Estu. Uh, ben Mee for Brentford, 100,000 transfers in for him. And that Mo Salah bloke, we heard from him for a while, no. but he showed up this week. 90,000 managers have seen enough of him. 
on the other side, it's usual people being sold. Mares, De Bruyne, people losing kind of patience with the Man City guys, especially with a blank to come. And Ketia, again, missed the, this week. I believe he's got a slight knock. And uh, Shah as well at Newcastle, a slight knock for him. And Almiron too, shedding owners. I think it's like Mares, about 160,000 people had sold him last time I saw. So yeah, quite a lot of people just taking advantage of uh, making a bit of money, perhaps from selling to Matoma or indeed moving De Bruyne on to Salah. All right, let's get on with it. So as Lucy mentioned, more of a mailbox pod in many ways this week, thanks to the questions we received. Thanks for those that Lucy said earlier, and I couldn't have agreed more, that it was probably likely I was thinking that people wanted to hide from FPL entirely this week. But no, it seemed like that people had those things to ask us. So I haven't really got a main topic as such for this one like normal. So there's no kind of, what do we do about this? as the main question. I think you know, focusing in on something obvious like regret and hindsight which we'll definitely touch on, has been done like a bazillion times. So it's just not worth topic in of itself. So instead, it's a bit of a meander through what's been going on in response to this game week, as Lucy mentioned. Esoteric chat around what's going on. And, you know, we heard you. We heard you. Did see a lot of people saying, just, just let's just move on and forget about it. <laughs> so we'll be definitely talking about everything to come, especially with that vaunted big double in just three game weeks' time. Another double now coming into view. That's quickly mention the game week updates as a bit of a springboard it's a bit of a rotten more of a plank really than a springboard isn't it um very simple we've got the same team haven't we so- i was about to say it's probably a joint update isn't it more yeah. than an individual team update we did we did diverge on one point which i was wrong about so that was great you went for McAllister and i went for march but you benched matoma and i played matoma so all in all, we basically have the template and we got a Brighton mid that scored some points. That's a that's about it, isn't it, really, for the wild card? Yeah, yeah. Macadonna over Matoma is literally all I've got here in my notes as well. Both Captain Saka and I don't, I'd say epic points dodge really with the Arsenal midfielders as we'll discuss in a bit in that game. Yeah. Did you hear Odegaard got the joint most shots in a Premier League game? I mean, mm-hmm. and to not get anything out of it is is quite something. I know, absolutely insane. It was just one of those, wasn't it? But yeah, I mean, I, I think that the tone of a discussion this week would be very different if that underlying had been expressed into points for either Odegaard or Saka or both. Um, that's for sure. I think the blank just exacerbated the feelings of regret that we'll discuss in a second. The only other thing to mention is that I'm finally on the Kepa train after... Well, Welcome many, aboard. I know how many weeks it's been since restart now, nine. So yeah, finally uh, got a clean sheet from from Kepa, uh, which is just very nice. And that that being the highlight of the week, apart from Macadonna, really says something, doesn't it? So yeah, both wildcarders. So in the last pod, hopefully, hopefully this pod won't be a pod where we both say, "Hey, you know, we've done something, and here's why." Unfortunately, it is one of those pods where we have to kind of just say, "Here's why." And I, I suppose one of the questions people ask is, "But Tom, you free hit last week, and Lucy last week, you took hits to bring Liverpool players in." Um, I mean, I, I think really, given how the FA Cup fell, it was it was just it looked like a fairly obvious thing to do, didn't it? Um, yeah, it became very obvious for me. Um, I wasn't as well set up as you. So, um, yeah, I think the FA Cup turned a potential kind of dispute about how to use my chip. So I was at one point considering just using a free hit in 28 and navigating the doubles around it. Um, but I wasn't well set for 27 either. I didn't have any Brighton or Brentford. So it seemed to me that after that FA Cup result, 
which brought Harry Kane back into the mix, that it would make more sense to use the wild card, save the free hit, and sort myself out for a set of um, game weeks rather than that one free hit in 28. Um, so that's kind of where I ended up and probably why we hadn't even spoken about it last week. And it kind of came up on the radar unexpectedly, as it is for everyone. I think the fact that so many people decided it was a good move probably points to how obvious it was to the mm. kind of engaged community. Um, I, I think, actually, though, yours was one of the wild cards that surprised me the most because you seemed fairly well set in terms of having a couple of Brighton already, having used your free hit in 25, so you weren't, like, tripled up on Liverpool, for example. Yours was more interesting, so could you talk us through yours a bit? I think it was Brentford game, the 28. Uh, it was all to do with Leicester losing to Blackburn. If anything, that was the result that pivoted me towards just thinking it's worth wildcarding because it meant that if I didn't wildcard, I was looking at kind of making free transfers and kind of getting an okay 28, you know, eight or nine, eight players, I think it was, nine with a hit. Whereas now I can probably get, well, I think I'm still planning to go into that with a 10, but it was more sort of a course correct rather than being a, root and branch reform of my team which sometimes that's okay sometimes in fact um i kind of mostly prefer those although it is always nice to be kind of chucking out players who are no longer of any use to you it's more just optimization sort of wild card and I, I wasn't far off it it was just a bit of tidying up having players like greenwood at leeds and having players like nathan patterson at everton those are the kinds of players that i'd have been relying on in game week 28 so it felt like it was worth just removing those guys slightly restructuring and just setting myself up for this period because how those results have gone i think planet fpl said this is probably the easiest in terms of chips and blanks and doubles particularly blanks set up they can remember and using that now and just being able to kind of almost sail through for the long term seemed to make a lot of sense to me um, i think we've still got i've still got a problem in 32 potentially depending on how the games go but I don't think it'd be that bad. I really don't. It just felt worth sorting out a few things, getting that Brentford cover in, although you know, let's see how, how that kind of shows up tonight. Optimising with a few areas and, as I said, removing a bit of dross from my team, a bit of Deadwood. Um, and plus, you know, I think as when loads of other people started to wild card as well, I probably shouldn't have been too worried, but it was one of those things that was a contributing factor perhaps to me thinking, oh, actually... Does it make sense to me? Let me have a look through. Oh, actually, it does make sense to me. So even though I didn't wildcard because everyone else was doing it, but it did definitely prompt me, prompt me to think about it a little bit more myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the response to that wildcard, though, has definitely been one for the ages, hasn't it? Um, FPL Mikey says, you know, we we need your perspective, Tom and Lucy, just to help people calm the F down. Uh, the wildcard went south, but I'm adamant it's the right call for many. It's just a really bad outcome this week. He goes on to add, if anyone thought Liverpool were going to destroy United beforehand, they are absolutely lying. <laughs> I think it's, it's definitely a bit of a Palmer heads, the adult sort of look at what happened this week. I, I think the mic um, kind of reflects it perfectly, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think before the game week, there was a lot of goading actually from people that weren't wildcarding, suggesting that people had been forced into a wildcard because they tripled up on Liverpool and they had no choice but to wildcard because why would anyone want to be tripled up on Liverpool? And I think that kind of tone in the discourse that illustrates that no one really expected Liverpool to get the result that they did. I think it was reasonable to expect goals in that game. 
I think it would have been reasonable to expect Salah to get a goal and assist, maybe Max a goal and assist. I think, you know, some kind of points return from Salah wouldn't have made us go, what, what happened? Um, <laughs> whereas 7-0, that's definitely a what, what happened. Um, I just don't think you can legislate for those kinds of issues. And nine times out of 10, it's not a massive problem. But obviously, if you've just wildcarded out of triple Liverpool, like, like I did, um, it's pretty painful. So, mm. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with Mikey in saying that I I would wildcard every single time if you gave me that decision again. I would do it again. And um, it's just unfortunate that a huge freak result happened to go absolutely, completely against the move you made. Absolutely. Andy Penman uh, showed a bit of nominative determinism and putting it quite eruditely. He describes Liverpool's 7-0 win as a bit of a black swan event. If Liverpool won 2-0, he said, would there be the same furore about this? When the black swan appears in the league results, why do we pretend we all knew the upcoming swans would be black? It's it's just not one that you're going to be too worried about. And maybe it's just because I was looking through. I, mean, I, I was obviously a bit divorced from the regret that was being expressed because I free-hitted last week. So I never, I've never really owned a Liverpool player, if that makes sense. But obviously, I still myth that last week when I did own them, they didn't do what they did this week. But I, I'm always struck, Lucy, that we always seem to have this sort of well, we, but there always seems to be this sort of mass cognitive collective amnesia whenever something like this occurs. It's like it's the first time it's ever happened. Like it's it's not particularly unheard of for this kind of thing to happen. And given how long we've been playing this, like a lurch to reevaluating a decision that you were never going to make seems seems crazy to me. Like our, our teams at the start of the week look pristine. And if the likely lads have returned, uh, I think you said Odegaard, 11 shots in the game, three shots on target, three chances created. Saka should have scored two at least twice at loads Could of penalty calls. Yeah. yeah. God, and it just felt like a perfect storm of bad luck in many ways, exacerbated by the fact that I guess... A few of the voices who didn't wild cards obviously then did well. But like, you know, if, if you weren't interested in owning these Liverpool guys in the first place and it wasn't a question in your mind about wild carding, it's it's a bit of a fool's errand, isn't it, to try to recreate the scenario and then derive regret from that. You simply wouldn't have made that decision. So yeah, you can just dismiss hindsight and go over it, potentially. I know that sounds a bit harsh, but it's just one of those where I just kind of you know, I think after many years, I just kind of, you know, I'm just like, oh, okay, broke my shoulders and get on with it. It was such a weird, just just a weird game, wasn't it? Like total collapse. And as you said, I, I think you know, most of us had 2-2, maybe like a, a, a narrow win for United. Like it's, it's just outside the realms of possibility, really, for what any of us could have guessed at the start of the week. And you can make your peace with that a lot easier, I think, than something like a 2-0 or something like that, can't you? Yeah, I think so. I think you just have to be realistic that part of the game of FPL is luck or variance or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes you won't be able to control those that, and you won't be able to foresee what's going to happen. You just have to set up your team in a way that you think is, you know, most likely to respond to the most likely results. And and 7 0 was not a likely result. So it's just one of those things. I'm really, I like, I'm, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty annoyed yesterday. <laughs> But you just got to let it go. Mm. Like, if you hang on to these things and reflect on the fact that, for example, you've lost 40 points and there's very little chance that your wild card will be worth that, um, then, you know, <laughs> you'll you'll depress yourself. So you just got to, just got to, you know, carry on. 
move on. Next next game week, you're really well set, and not everyone that did really well this week will wildcard into that game week. So you may find an advantage against people that did well in your mini leagues in a new way. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping anyway. It's just a, it's a mad split, isn't it? Like in my, I was having a look at the. I think someone messaged me at work about it, like saying, "Oh, you know, I've done really well with you. I've got eighty plus points." And I was like, "Oh, well done. That's really good for you." He's just like, "I don't, I don't know. Like, I, did, I didn't even know there were doubles coming. I just left left my team as it was, rolled my transfer because I thought there was a double coming up this week. And hey ho, I've got Salah and Darwin, <laughs> you know. And looking at the work league, you've got people like him on 80 plus and then other people like on 30 20 and it's just it's just incredible like how something like that can happen a big swinging result and to your point fpl lovejoy said so-called engaged managers have we lost sight of the fact we have zero control over 22 plus humans kicking the ball around for 90 minutes we are unable to consistently predict outcomes he says otherwise betting companies wouldn't exist (laughs) that's so true (laughs) yeah it's just a game of best guesses isn't it basically it is indeed. But I suppose the, the role that we play, you know, just jumping around the agenda a little bit, Lucy, because we've kind of folded into it. it I, I think there's definitely the sort of, I don't, know, I don't know why it has become a thing this season. And if you're not on Twitter, I'm sure you may have heard about it or seen about it. There's this sort of trope about content creators. A Dan F.P.L. Feller mentioned the content creator influence. Please discuss. I think we should, let's digress to this a second before we get back onto Liverpool and talk about them. Um. What's your take on on that? You know, why has it particularly caught fire this season that you know, content creators seem to be straw people, effectively, uh, for a lot of the, the bad outcomes that people are experiencing? I think it's just another season of cumulative kind of attention on content creators. I think there's obviously been like Sky have got their own little sections for fantasy football. You've seen a few quite prominent content creators do very well, which is... Always positives for someone's prominence on Tony Penn. Tony Penn has it gone in yet? He scored it, yeah. And that's good. Sorry, what was I saying? Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, you've got some content creators that are doing very well, and content content creators doing well is always good for their visibility because they get followers in great numbers. It's been happening over the last few years in terms of the growth of content creation, the number of people that are doing it for a living, that are doing it all the time, that are constantly pumping out content. Good luck to those people. Well done, those people. Don't know how you do it. It's incredibly brave. And I think there's just increased attention on that. I think we've also had, because of the wild cards and the kind of constant resetting of the game, there's a lot more clamour for content to kind of help you decide those moments in the game that feels like we've had more of those kind of pivotal moments this season than other seasons. I think that's probably increased the scrutiny on them. And I think also people just love a reason to excuse their own bad decisions or to excuse decisions that haven't worked out because it's easier than just saying, oh, that was bad luck or, oh, I got that a bit wrong. I don't know. It's it's very difficult, isn't it? Like I feel like we've reached a tipping point in, in a lot of ways. Like we meant references last year that we were getting to see loads of people who have never shown an interest in FPL before across mini leagues, especially the work ones. Wildcard in this week, for example, was yet another sort of dead giveaway that people are engaging in in a different way with FPL. People who you know from speaking uh, when you're making coffee or something in the morning know nothing about fantasy football, but somehow they're kind of they've got they're there with a template team and you know they're, they're following along. Which yeah, I mean that, that's fine. It's great that there's engagement, but it's definitely I don't know. It's definitely created a bit of tension, I suppose, 
in that regard. Like, is there now a discernible herd? Yes. Does it create limitation? Yes. Does it also create opportunity? Also, yes. But I do feel like that, that sort of ease of information is quite a difficult topic for those who have previously you know, walked mini leagues, for example, or always smashed their friends up and now find themselves shadow boxing against, you know, mini Andy, mini Ross, mini Picard every turn. You know, I can understand this as well. Like you love to have the information to yourself that you bothered to go out there and find that information. Now everyone's got it. And I can see how that's really annoying. Yeah, Most definitely. of my work league have Andy's team. There's a slight difference as well, which kind of chews at it a little bit. It's not so much about the information being there. I think it's about the implementation of that information because managers like us, and I assume many listeners out there, I say the emphasis is on our own thought and the confidence isn't that you just copy as that's seen as quite a kind of haram thing to do. It's kind of lazy, somehow faintly weak spirited. But for many people, you know, they're time poor and don't have or don't want to allocate the mental capacity to FPL that we do. They want a quick answer. And I think that's the real nub of it. Like, you know, content creators, I think we're kind of in it, but kind of not. I think we're outside the main drag, as it were, of what a lot of content creation is. I mean, I did rock up and mumble for, you know, a few couple an hour on a Monday night. That's what I've been doing for six years, dude. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, I, I think that there's always this refrain that, um, you know, people, content creators don't tell people what to do. But I think that a lot of the simpler mainstream ones, I, I think they do they do, do that. I mean, there's no grey language. It is black and white. It is consider this player, don't consider this player. Um, no, and that I, is true. I, I think that that's, it's not a criticism, but that's what they do. And as you mentioned earlier. That's what that, people want, isn't it? I mean, that's, they're, they're dealing with people's demands. They, they're popular because they're giving people what they want. And we might be frustrated by that, but that's what it is. I mean, I'm quite sad because it has lost an element of that kind of five, six years ago when you would dig through stats and come up with your own kind of takes and stuff. And that does seem to have been lost. But I am kind of grateful because it saved me a lot of time. And, you know, as you get older in life, time's, you know, running short. So, you know, that's that's good. That- <laughs> you're, not, you're not that old. You're not that old. <laughs> no, I mean, you have other things in your life where you don't want to spend it on FEL. So, you know, I when I was a student, I have a lot of time. That was fine. But now I don't really want to spend that time. So that's quite good. Um, I just think content creation is just a response to the whole world we live in now. I mean, like, it was a natural progression from having a massive Twitter community. And it was a natural progression from the kind of game blowing up in terms of users and stuff. And people are quite fairly making money out of it, making a living out of it you know, power to them. Hmm. But, I mean, to pin it on those individuals seems pretty harsh. I kind of see why people do that because it's easier to blame someone else than yourself, especially if you haven't put any thought into it. (laughs) You know, it's like um, if I tell someone buy this stock or something like that and that stock tanks, then you might feel like you can blame me for that. But it is, it, is, it is very interesting, but I do think it does come down to that sort of gap between individuals. And I think that most people that who have listened to this would probably see copying as, um, you know, something reprehensible and faintly ignoble. Whereas if it, you know, you end up on the strategy like we have with the wild cards, if you follow that strategy and everyone else has kind of come along with you, 
it, you kind of feel a sense of embarrassed disappointment <laughs> that you've done what everyone else has done, or you can yeah. do. And I think situations like this week, where there are whole loads of engaged managers who have done the same thing, and a few kind of headwinds have gone against you in terms of you know, Arsenal not not um, doing very well, loads of people obviously wildcarding out players who have then gone on to bang, and there being no sort of other players who have come to the fore to make that up apart from the Brighton midfielders. And in, lo- in, in many cases, for example, people have played sol- uh, a solly march over playing Matoma or Mr. McMacadonna. So it could be even worse in that situation. I, I, I think it's just, it just intensifies everything really and exacerbates it if, if you end up with a kind of a storm of, of particular things not really working out. And you know, it could have been so much worse. Like if Liverpool didn't lose that 28 and there was still a movement to wildcard anyway, and there were loads more people who still had Liverpool players because there was more of a split in terms of whether you wildcard or not, it could have been even more brutal as it was. I think Salah was on 25% EO, something like that. So it had to be something stratospheric in order to create the red arrow. Like it had to be something out of this world to do that. And you know, 21 points is out of this world. Yeah. Um, that was why I was relatively relaxed about not having him. Like Because I was like, 25%. It's got to be something huge if that's going to be a problem. Oh, wait, no, it is. I think... Yeah, you're right about the, the 28 factor. I think I probably would have carried on without a wild card if they had had 28. So, yeah, you should be very relieved. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am. I, again, that's also why I've been, like, one, just preaching to the choir a little bit in terms of just being like, don't worry, next week's not far away. And it's, it's, it, this happens. But there's also, like, personally... You know, I don't. I don't like talking about things from my own, like where I am personally in FPL, but too much. But yeah, definitely, there's. I feel like I've gotten away with on a little bit. <laughs> like thinking about stuff like have a captain Havertz when Salah went mental, but stuff like that, things like that not going my way are very high in my mind. So yeah, things. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. I, I've dodged a dodged a very large bullet. But yeah, content creators, leave them alone. Some of them are just trying to make their way fair enough yeah, don't and, be abusive i've had enough of that nonsense yeah exactly it's just not worth it um but hey if you listen to this i'm assuming you're a nice person um so hey i mean we don't need to tell you that right let's move away from that nonsense and move back to the actual world of fpl a little bit let's just speak about liverpool again i spoke about them with jan the whole, whole pod's been about liverpool i know i know nick maynard asks can we consider liverpool assets again fpl jmo asks should we swallow our pride and bring liverpool back admitting the error with bournemouth up next F- mo fpl trophy hi mo uh, says should we bring darwin and salah back in against our plans uh, for bournemouth next up uh, shane fpl veteran asks is salah enough going forward I mean obviously there's there's a lot of interest in Liverpool after what Klopp even himself admitted was a freak result but there is a very good fixture swing coming up obviously um, after Arsenal game week 30 their remaining eight to nine games are all against non-top seven teams apart from Spurs who themselves are out of sorts in 34 so lots of opportunity there to be had in answer to the next question um, I think that that's kind of when I'd be considering them I mean, what do you think about all of this? I mean, are you following through with your plan for the next couple of weeks or is there an opportunity perhaps to maybe grab a Liverpool player earlier? I suspect you're probably doing what I'm doing is following through, aren't you? Yeah. You know, you make a plan, you've got to follow through with the plan. Um, would 
I mean, I did think about this. Would I be tempted if I wasn't wildcarding soon and was free hitting 28? Don't think I would, but maybe. Maybe if you're on that strategy, it's a possibility. Um, the 29 isn't very good, though, is it? Do you offhand know what it is? Uh, it is Chelsea and Man City away. Mm, it's not It's not good, is it? I, I mean, they it, on paper it's not. But given how Man City have been defensively and given how yeah, Chelsea exactly. have been in general, um, it's one of those where you can just, just stop yourself for a second and think, actually, yeah, okay, historically, not that great. But would I think, would I hate only Liverpool attack of those yeah. two games? No, no not I don't really. Would. So, yeah, so if you're on potentially on a different strategy, like free hit 28, then maybe I would look at the maybe. Um, if you're on whatever we're on, which, what, what did we do? World, World Cup 26. <laughs> Um, then I probably wouldn't because I just don't think it fits very well with any of the kind of the template you've probably formulated, which probably has Kane and Haaland up front. It's very difficult to wiggle your way over Salah and I think you sacrifice a lot of potential points along the way elsewhere. So I probably wouldn't do that. But yeah, I think post 30, as you said, that was when I looked at the fixtures and thought they were very good. Um, I think until then I would be holding off or having max one of them. I think... I'm not going to do what Mo and James have both mentioned and probably carry through the plan as well. I mean, I'm sure some people might say, oh yeah, but Tom, you always speak about sunk cost fallacy. I I don't think that that's quite the case here, but you would say that, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Because (laughs) I think that if we're legislating for a freak result could happen, except I don't know where, that, that seems a bit bizarre doesn't it? Um, yeah. And uh, I, I guess, you know, the door is left firmly open for game week 29 because that's, there's a little while to go yet. There's an international break there between the blank and the double as well. And my idea is to get there with two frees. So I'll be playing 10 and 28 so I can move around as I like. And then I can answer Shane's question when I get to that point. Is Salah enough? Do I want Darwin? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And uh, with those two fixtures, you mentioned those looking quite difficult. Maybe Salah would be all right going forward. The only thing that I would mention is if you are going to you know, think, oh, you know, I need Salah this week or something like that, especially if you've, got, if you've got a lower team value, it's just to take a second and go on FPL.team and make sure you can afford everything going forward. So if, yeah. you're, plan- if you're planning to sell Haaland in 28 for two game weeks and buy him back in 30, and you're buying in Trent and Salah this week, and you're at the very edge of your budget, make sure that you can afford to get Hallam back in without even more sort of compromises and things like that. Because it's definitely something that's going to catch people out. I've seen a lot of people who have got, whose wildcard teams came out in a certain way. Uh, and I've said to them, not in a, uh, I'm not trying to be a dick. Of course. I, I, I did say, <laughs> I did say, you, you realize that. Hall, you've got to pay 0.4 million, I think it is more for Hall, maybe 0.3. And people are like, oh crap, you know, I, I, I'm something need to make another transfer in two weeks' time to make that work and maybe take a hit to get him back in game week 30. So just just make sure that you can make it all work because you can't buy Hall in the same price that you bought him at early on. But it's probably a, a blessing in disguise, really, that the plan at the moment is to just let it run through into a game which went nine without thinking about Liverpool because we're able to kind of assess, I guess, whether this is the spark of a run or whether it was just one off. And I think that that's kind of I mean of the last five thing. have actually been quite good, haven't they? They haven't got I mean they're not winning seven nil, but I mean they've they've got a lot of wins, they've got a lot of clean sheets. 
So they do look better than they did. And we did speak about this a few weeks ago that they were, and the reason I had tripled up on them, although they didn't really pay it off in the wildcard um, on the uh, the good time, it has to be said, but whatever, that they did look better. So, you know, I think we are seeing potentially that as part of a, yeah, yeah, you know, an improvement. Um, It's just working out the scale of that improvement and whether they've become you know, worthy of their pricing. Because I think that's another consideration is that the reason we haven't really had much of Salah, apart from the fact that they haven't been great, but the reason we haven't really considered him that much is because you've got Saka and Odegaard and Rashford all providing so much better value and Kane and Haaland saying that they're probably worth the value up top. It's, it's been quite difficult to make that kind of that money argument for him. So mm. he would have to be delivering fairly consistently back to his old self for you to really think that you needed to go back there. And this could be, you know, he's had a few good returns recently. This could be the start of that. But but we, as you said, it gives us just that little bit of time to consider if this is a long-term thing or a kind of flash in the pan. And certainly, if you think as well about the Premier League, they've been dumped out of, well, they haven't been dumped out yet, but it's like they're going to be out of the Champions League. And then yeah. that would be it. I mean, it's them, Spurs... Who need to? Uh, they're one they're done against AC Milan, aren't they? At the time of recording, yeah. uh, in the tie and Newcastle, those three pretty much probably vying for fourth. I'd say probably. I think United, Arsenal, and City are going to be. Well, I hope Arsenal win it, but you know those three will be the top three. Yeah, I and think so. and, and then I, I, I think you wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool do put together a run, um, and I think that you know. By the time you get to game week 29, if you are suspecting that, if there's something in the water, <laughs> then maybe go for it. But we still got that kind of 28 as well uh, being blank. So they're going to have like a month without a game, which can be quite interesting too. But hey, it's, it's all to come. And I think it's probably quite a good thing that we've kind of got this little bit of breathing space, I guess, when it comes to Liverpool. Yeah. Not That's not to say that it might not hurt next week again uh, against Bournemouth which may be incredibly painful. But hey, let's just hope that our players do do good things, do stuff uh, to help counter that. Right. Um, a couple of other, a few, well, we've got quite a few questions. Um, next questions, uh, forward planning. So Mitchell, Mitchell Sterling, Adam Pritchard, and FPL Stats Dan uh, asking about wildcarding now. Uh, Mitchell Sterling, <laughs> what lessons from wildcard 26 should people wildcarding this week learn other than don't wildcard in game week 26? Well, I'm on a green arrow now, Mitchell. <laughs> Adam Pritchard uh, so I'm wildcarding is there anything from this week which shifts the template it says he's thinking that Leicester should be left to one side after being murked by the mighty mighty saints um, no, I, I disagree on, on... I know, yeah I know I know they, they, okay. they weren't they were they weren't okay. murked yeah I mean Ian Atcho's finishing leaves something to be desired I, I was throwing, I was throwing you a bone there, and you know, just, or just well, no, I'm actually still in in complete shock that we won that game. Like, I, yeah. I'm in constant like, what happened again, and how did we do that? Because mm-hmm. if you didn't watch the game, Leicester should have had yeah two or three. I've, I've I've looked at I've looked at the spreadsheet afterwards, and I can tell oh, you right. that your grass analysis also is collaborated by the spreadsheet. Which is a... Yeah, I mean, it was particularly bad when they missed right at the end and hit the bar. And and Madison, by the end of it, looked like he was going to throttle someone because he'd created so many chances that hadn't got in. That... I know. There's a definitely dodged one there. Like not yeah, going with uh, Matoma slash McAllister after Ma- over Madison. Um, FPL stats, Dan, going back to the question, um, okay. said, you know, did we see anything this weekend uh, which should 
affects our planning going forward. I think we've sort of begun to cover this a little bit. And Nave Jacobson says, if you saw as your wild card, when do you think is the best time to use it? He also mentions the, the game week 30 fixture swing at Liverpool. So, I mean, uh, this week, would you wild card any differently? Maybe if you were considering Leicester, would you kind of still keep going on that? I mean, you, I think you would have Madison on the bench, yeah. actually, wouldn't you? I thought Madison looked great. I thought it looked really good. I, I don't think there's anything I would change because you're still factoring in 27, 28 and 29. And I think those are still there. So I don't think you would change anything. Um, I still think the rationale for all of them was fine. Obviously, if you were planning on having Sanchez, probably not Sanchez now. No. I'm very sorry to all Sanchez owners out there. Yeah, FPL Death Star did ask, what do we do with Rob Sanchez? <laughs> God, that's so annoying, isn't it? I don't know how you... Leg- that's another one of those you can't legislate for. If that's happened to you, I'm really sorry, because there was not even a sniff of that happening. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what to say on that one. I think maybe... Maybe... I think I'd be tempted to go for Steel. Is that mad? No, no. Sunderland Till I Die star, Jason Steele. Um, I was saying to a couple of friends on the weekend, that's some failing upwards from Steely, isn't it? Not good enough for Sunderland, but now preferred over a Spain international, a high-flying Premier League club. That is a that is quite it? something. Did he go to Eton? Uh, some <laughs> incredible failing upwards there. Um, but yeah, it, oh God. Yeah, was and that... then Deserby after the game said it was about style, didn't he? So. Yeah. He he loved he loves to lump it, hit it long, <laughs> get it in there. I, I don't I don't know, but yeah, I'm just kind of I'm glad's the wrong word. I'm, I'm Sanchez for me is uh, I've said to you in the past is I find him an incredibly annoying goalkeeper. Yeah, you do hate him. Times. For some unknown reason. I've I've owned him for quite a few quite a few times when he was uh, under Potter. Allergic to saves, and the amount of times the howler from him meant a near kind of banked clean sheet. You know, when you when you kind of you put your phone down, you know, you're good, you're happy, got my bright and clean sheet. Come back a minute later, and he's just he's done made some sort of howler. And it's been a two, it's turned to a two pointer. Something about him I've just not liked. So he's up there with Guaitar in terms of my hatred for a goalkeeper. I don't know. I guess your options are with Sanchez, sell the bloke immediately for steel, three point nine million hero, or you. Play your other keeper, who I'm assuming is either Kepper or Raya, until 29, and then sell for De Gea or something as part of a bench boost. I mean, that, those yeah, are that's true. Those yeah, because I'm thinking about 29 bench boost, which I see most of these people having to worry about. Is you're fine with Kepper slash Raya until then, but then what do you do? I know. So maybe you just maybe that's the point where you kind of go right. Okay, I know it's a bit annoying, but if I just buy De Gea or something here, then that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's not great. I, I, I mean, it's it's never good if a goalkeeper gets I mean, random taken, drops. It has taken bench boost twenty seven off the table for those people, but I think that's probably fine. I mean, it's, it kind of has, or you just take a, or you just take a hit and just yeah. go for it. I mean, potentially it's a thing. I mean, uh, Zod was asking us about that, like the potential of a bench boost twenty seven, so you can just free hit in twenty nine if you've got your free hit still available. And focus your transfers after that week. So kind of start to plan to get Liverpool players in and things like that. I mean, I guess thinking about next week, I already have Odegaard and Gabriel on my bench uh, away for them, which sounds like a a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I'm already thinking, how can I get Odegaard out? (laughs) 
I know it's just not happening, is it? I mean, Kepper at Leicester, I've got, um, and then a Newcastle defender, Botman, at home to Wolves. I mean, but that is that's as boostable as any other bench in a game week, isn't it? Really, um, and I can see why people are thinking, "Oh God, this is this is crap." I've got my free hit available, and we are a little bit out, aren't we? From the twenty nine, like we haven't one hundred percent set that up quite yet. No, so you, we've got work to do. You could do that, I think. Yeah, I'm not against it. I just think if you've got Sanchez, it's probably made it quite a lot more awkward. Yeah, no, it certainly is. I think maybe you just kind of recalibrate, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I suppose next week is, is loads of teams um, have a good game. Next week, loads of the main teams are FPL um, relevant. So I, I certainly think, if especially if you've kind of either left the door open or been planning for it and haven't been bitten by Sanchez, you certainly could look at that. Especially if you're now thinking you want the likes of Salah and Bruno, can't make it work, don't want to sell Haaland in 29, then maybe that could work as a free hit when maybe you kind of think, oh, okay, I'm just going to optimise that 11 and hope I get a bench boost. But I don't know. I know the bench boost always tends to be quite over-egged in terms of how good it is. But I still, I still kind of want that second bite of a cherry to use that horrible phrase that we say every year that a bench boost provides them a double yeah i I think i just think it's so hard to get right so you might as well maximize your chances with doubles so i would be waiting for 29 i mean actually the bench boost ship is the only ship that i consistently seem to get okay i seem to do all right and i think that is predominantly because i base it on the principle that i want to get it out soon after i wildcard on a double so yeah yeah i i I don't think it's a million because it's a bench boost which is quite ubiquitous to all of the fpl relevant players it's not a difficult one for 29 to get to and be able to make one or two transfers and you're away and if you wildcarded this week and you're wildcarding if you wildcarded last week or you're and you're, or you're wildcarding this week you should pretty much be in a situation where you can get kind of i'm assuming you want to keep saka around maybe you want to keep holland around kane something like that it's all very straightforward to do. Even if you haven't wildcarded, you should be in a great situation for 29. It looks like kind of the, the one where that'll be where the bench boost is used. So, I mean, you can optimise, but it sort of feels like, I, I unless you've specifically planned for it and done the work for it this week or last week in terms of how you set up your team, just go for it in 29. would probably be where I'd be going, but yeah, up to you with your team. Don't want to be one of those guys who says, yeah, yeah, this is what you should do because that is how you get the angry mob on you looking for content creator blood. Um, right. Um, let's uh, maybe look forward a little bit. Uh, Jonathan Bailey, cut out the noise, he says, focus on the next week. Yeah, all right, Jonathan, we're here, we're here, we're here. We're, I heard you, we're here. Um, it's, 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 still worth, it's still worth talking about things and giving our perspective. And we've already started encroaching on next week anyway. Uh, first question, uh, dude, Morpheus, how many times in one season is sunk cost fallacy applicable? What do you reckon, Lucy? I think you, should go, you should go first. Sunk cost oh. fallacy is one of your favourites. I love it. It's the idea that you throw good money after bad and pursue, pursuing a plan. That's definitely one to be aware of, especially if you're earlier in your FPO experience. So if you're kind of newer, then it's your first kind of couple of seasons. Like being stubborn and making the variance work for you is one thing. So if you think, okay, I've watched this guy a of times. Looks like he's been in the right positions. It's not quite worked. Um, and eventually it might, that's fine. 
but being stubborn because you don't want to sign a player uh, who's in form or something can be highly punishing. I think the only thing I would say is just don't stake your pride in not owning an FPL player. It goes very badly, as a mutual friend of ours has has realised, or maybe should have realised uh, quite recently. Um, whether he's going to learn from that, we don't know. What do you think about Sanko Salasi, Lucy? I think it's bandied around too frequently in FPL, like just people trying to make some kind of psychological thing out of luck, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like bad luck happens. That doesn't mean that you've got it wrong and that you're in some kind of disastrous planning phase. It's just things go wrong and it doesn't mean your plan's wrong. It just means... I just think the whole, the whole summation of this pod is basically luck happens, you can't do anything about it, you should just accept that and move on. I agree. No, I agree. We can make things out of what happens uh, in football and it's quite nice to know what those things can be. And it's been very, it's actually been quite nice to see you know, phrases like confirmation bias and outcome bias become part of the lingua franca of FPL. That is true. Which they are, have, definitely. Which yeah. are thing, things that I've advanced. Um, so hopefully someone out there listens to my pods, either that or it's just kind of, you know, just arrived on the breeze. Um, but yes, I, I, I did think it was quite nice to see people have finally learned what some cost fallacy meant last, last week. Um, when people were saying, I'm not, I'm going to get rid of my Liverpool players because I don't want to fall prey to some cost fallacy. Like, it's like, yeah, it finally happened that people did think that. Um, but hey, now we've got another some cost fallacy where it's like, do you follow your plan through or do you buy Liverpool players back and admit you were wrong? Oh, hang on. We've already spoke about that. Great. Right. Uh, next question. Um, FPL Panic. What teams do we trust going forward in gnawing fixtures? Trust, that's an interesting word, isn't it? In yeah, that's what I was going to say. Trust to do what? Because, I mean, some of them are really good at being bad. Just putting them out there. Chelsea, for example. Southampton, for example. Great. Um, <laughs> who who we trust? Well, I mean, obviously, I, I trust Arsenal quite a lot, despite the madness of that Bournemouth game um, and despite the fact they didn't return. I think they're obviously quite consistent. They also have the benefit of a fairly consistent eleven. I think the problem problem with Man City is you'd normally say another team near the top of the table would be worth investing in but you can't fundamentally do that because they don't have a consistent 11 and the 11 that come out aren't particularly producing value I mean their defense mm. seems to leak random goals and the midfield isn't getting any kind of consistency Foden seem, seems to be back on the radar Mares has fallen back off it um obviously De Bruyne is there and it's fairly consistent but then isn't really delivering the points for the money either. So I think City are quite a difficult one. I mean, apart from Haaland, obviously. Um, I think it's quite difficult to say that you universally trust a team uh, regardless of their fixtures, because I think fixtures are fundamentally how you play the game. I think working out fixture runs, looking through fixtures are you know, one of our primary ways of planning. So to take those completely out of the game is quite difficult. And I think... We're at a stage of the season where fixtures really matter because we've got double game weeks and blank game weeks and just playing an extra game or playing a game at all largely dictates our strategy. So to take yeah. fixtures completely out of the out of out of the reckoning. Equation, yeah, a reckoning. It seems a bit mad. It, That's uh, something. I ultimately think uh, maybe this was a bit of a trick question, <laughs> maybe. And um, I ultimately think trust no one, no one is safe, it's like like, yeah. like, like, like traitors. 
and, and I think that that's that's maybe what this year should. I feel like we skirted the entire question though by just being like, but fixtures are important and don't. Yeah, don't I know, but I, I, but I think that's it's true that you know, but maybe Arsenal, maybe Brighton mids, you know. After, oh, it, it, oh yeah, maybe it's it, it's hard to be able to express this after the fact, isn't it? Um, sorry before the facts like at the end of the season we'll be able to say okay these are the players we kept for x periods and that that was great um but it's, it's hard to know right now because as you say the fixtures to take everything uh, we are still FPL managers and yes okay maybe you could do well if you've got a solid hunch that okay i'm going to sack off this double game week and i'm just going to keep arsenal because they're doing well whatever that makes a lot of sense but this year in particular perhaps has been a good lesson in terms of the fact that you shouldn't have that sort of sentiment or unquestioned trust about players mm. teams uh, models which have the same sort of things built in because the priors are slow to update yes Liverpool are coming back but throughout the course of the season you shouldn't have you shouldn't have kind of held the sense of trust about them um other assets like Cancelo suddenly going from hero to zero again probably should show that Maybe it's just a case of being flexible as a manager and being adaptive as manager. And I, I, I don't know, though. I think maybe throughout the course of the next kind of couple of weeks, um, I wonder whether we'll see a flight to safety now a little bit um, in terms of what happens. Um, because there's a lot of money sloshing around. And a player like Salah showing a bit of form, in inverted commas, may mean people reach the comfort blanket um, over gambling on the bright young things because that, that tends to be what happens when there's loads of money sloshing around. Like if, if if one or two players start kind of showing that, you know, okay, they're stepping up to the plate, then they will be kind of mainlined by people. I wouldn't be shocked if Salah does well against Bournemouth, for example, to find that when we reach game with 29, we'll be looking at kind of 30, 40% EO uh, for someone like that. Um, so it, it really is about uh, price still, still a factor. Um, but yeah, it's a... It's, it's, uh, Premium's a premium for a reason, all that. On one hand, but on the other hand, it's about being adaptive. Yeah, that's that's not the most coherent thing I've ever said in the world, but hey, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. You can tell I'm on the beers this time, this time around. Right, so the next one. And <laughs> um, Bryn Stewart asks, uh, actually, the segue is quite nice from Trust. How can we determine if a run is over? Um, has Rashford's crazy run come to an end and could there be an opportunity to move him on? Not sure about selling him particularly. Yeah. Um, let's let's take the question um, about t- determining a run, shall we? So I think that's quite that's that's quite an interesting one. I'm not going to bang on about Matoma again, uh, so I'll leave this to you. Well, you benched Matoma, so really, did... I, I, I got, I got I've, I'm one point better off. So yeah, you know, you didn't back your guy, did you? Anyway, um, yes, I think purple patches or runs or whatever you want to call them, um, they're the kind of statistical anomaly that we've never really been able to adapt to and quite frankly when it happens you're not going to be able to predict that it's going to happen and you may take a couple of weeks to work out that it's happening and also you might need to recognize that for example Rashford is a six and a half million or started off as six and a half million midfielder and even if he wasn't scoring at the rate he is he would still be insane value um I don't think we can say that it's over um, because Man United were front to back terrible and he only had one obvious chance that he didn't get right. And I don't think it's unreasonable that he didn't score that. So I I wouldn't be there with Rashford yet. Um, I think 
you're going to have to basically let the Rashford run end and then respond to it rather than to try and preempt it. And I still wouldn't say, even if it does end, that you should get rid of him because, as I said, he could trundle along at a much lower scoring rate and still be good value. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? With Rashford, especially if the underlying says what it says, uh, since the restart, no one has outshot their underlying XGI more than Rashford. I mean, he's got four more goals and assists yeah. than he should have, according yeah. to the expected data. So maybe you might say there's the form phenomenon underpinning that. I mean, small things you would or wouldn't do kind of coming off, and that's underpinning what's happened. And, you know, pretty well cup to have a look. Um, Holland was the top for overperformance, 7.21 more goals than he should have had. So definitely slowing down a bit since then. I think Almiron as well was one I noted uh, had nine involvements near, from near six expected, so he's definitely fallen off. So there's a kind of a contrast there. Uh, it's, it's tough to gauge from a from data alone, really, to widen it out how long a player will keep overperforming or be in form or whatever. A lot of that is, I think, to the eye more than to the spreadsheet. Like, is the player positioned somewhere different? Is the team playing differently? Has there been a key injury? Or maybe simply that spark is fizzled. Like you mentioned Rashford, that first half chance. I mean, I think that whole game didn't go very well for Rashford. Like the second half, there was one miscontrol where he could have been in. One tackle from Trent stopping him is like he was through and he was offside anyway. Um, I, I don't think that's not to say he's slowing down. Like it would take yeah. a, a brave manager to bet against that. In game with 29, he might be the captain for many as well. Worth keeping an eye on, like you know, if if you do kind of call that right and sell him at the right time, then you could be richly rewarded. But I, I think many won't part with him for quite a while, and rightly so. Like it's one bad game, um, and I think it's um one of those. But yeah, I mean, realistically, in terms of a player dropping out of a run, it does tend to be the mixture of the guy has been overperforming the underlying. Something might have changed if you watch the player, and those two things together kind of would be what would inform maybe taking a step away from them and looking at the next person because getting on those bandwagons early is always really important. And I think that that's kind of a little bit of the lost start of FPL trying to get on those players before everyone else does. I think that's one of the, the last frontiers left really that we've got in terms of differentiating or at least differentiating yourself. Am I right in saying that? I think so. Yeah, I'd say so. As you said, there isn't, there isn't a lot you can do these days to get an edge. So being ahead of, we talk about, you know, the template being very dominant, particularly with the proliferation of content creation and stuff. Um, so I think being ahead of the template is more important than ever because, you know, when we, we talk about how my season eroded at one point, that was because I was three or four points off the template template's performance and I was effectively chasing the template. Whereas if you can get ahead of the template so that other people are going after your players, that's the primary way you can feel on top and you can feel like you're making progress on a weekly basis. So, yeah, I think absolutely finding the new one is is the correct way to go about it. And that doesn't mean that you need to sell Rashford to do that. So you can go and find other people in other positions that can give you that advantage um, and, and still feel that you're getting getting benefit and not exposing yourself because I think that's another thing if you come off these players too quickly and you've misjudged it that can be very painful because obviously we know how high Rashford's ownership is at the moment certainly that's exactly what I've been saying but also a question 
Adam Pritchard, special second question for him. He's a nice man. I'll, I'll let him have this one. Uh, with Mark, with White benched again, uh, Trossard slight knock, Jesus involved in the warm down after the game. What do we make of Arsenal, especially with the data buzzed by Odegaard, people benching him next week? Can we really execute the self-doublers plan in 29? Um, it, it does feel like we're playing with fire, doesn't it? Removing these guys who are on the hunt for the title just because of fixtures, as we've been mentioning. Yes, it does feel like playing with fire. I'm I'm not too worried about removing, say, Gabriel, like a defender. I, I, that doesn't seem to me like a massive thing. But the thought of selling Odegaard at the moment is terrifying me. Um, I think the forward situation is quite confusing, given that we've got Nketiah with a minor injury, Jesus coming back, Trossard with a slight knock, but we don't know how bad it is. Martinelli playing through the middle at times. So that's all a bit confusing to me. It kind of, to me, cements Saka and Odegaard as propositions because I think they're unaffected by all of this nonsense going on. Um, And they're the two that I am clinging to. I will definitely keep Saka throughout. But obviously, with the current plan that most people are executing, Odegaard's the one that leaves, and it irks me quite a lot. I don't even know if I'll carry on, I'll carry through with it because that's how much it it bothers me at the moment. Um, and benching him next week, as I said earlier, I, I don't really want to do it, but I can't see any way around it. Um, I have fallen into this trap before in the past of just selling a player because there's a double game week and they do well in a single game week. And I think that's often overlooked that your single game week players can still do well. It's just working out whether that's enough to counteract the double opportunity you get. And in the majority of cases, it's a very difficult case to make. Yeah, definitely. It is, it's very difficult, very tough as a man of this province used to say every pod, every five minutes. I'm, 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 I'm kind of glad Odegaard blanked this week, despite my knowledge of the underlying data, because I can use that blank as a fig leaf to bench him next week. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. So you're just punishing him. Is that how it works? I, I am, I am hoodwinking myself. Okay. <laughs> Just been like, oh, he blanked. It's fine, um, and I, I, I know that but sounds. You know the underlying stats. I, of course, I do, and I know that sounds really stupid, but that's what everyone else is going to do as well. Because at the end of the day, yeah. who else am I going to bench? Oh, against Rashford, probably not. Against Southampton at home, sorry. Am I going to bench? Oh, I know you didn't. I know, I know that's mad. You want to run now? We've won a game. Exactly. <laughs> so, but you could be. You, you could be really confident in that anyway. Um, am I going to bench? You know, Matoma, McAllister. No, Kane, Hogan, Nottingham Forest. No. I bench Holland away at Crystal Palace. No, it's a, it's a give back the all back all out attack chip. That's what I say. It's, 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 it was always going to be a tough choice, and I think that that's really why people went with Madison, for example, um, over a second Arsenal player. Um, and yeah, they've been. Yeah, it makes life easier next week, but we'll have to see. Um, and I think also, you no know, game between nine. Yes, I do intend to load a guard probably for like Madison or uh, Mr. Bowen. But I've still got an open brief on what I do in 29 of our players. Like, you know, it, it does on paper if we take a step back. And if I was talking about a friend who doesn't play FPL, and I was saying, yeah, you've got 11 players you can have on the pitch. And this week I am benching Martin Odegaard uh, and I'm playing Matoma and McAllister. They play for Brighton. I don't know if you heard of them um, ahead of him. 
I, I think that that might sound mad to your uh, kind of everyday punter. It's just one of those, isn't it? It's a very FPL thing. And then next week, we may be, we may be saying, oh, God, well, Odegaard got 12 points against Fulham. He's on our bench. Um, but I think you can. I, I think it's one of those things that you have to make peace with quite early. Does that make sense? Just, just, just kind of just, just write off those points. Doesn't matter. They're on your bench. They're still there. Yeah, just for don't game look at nine. your bench. Pretend yeah, it doesn't exist. Exactly. Just don't scroll down on your FPL page. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, I know that's that's quite whimsical, but I'm afraid that that's kind of the way. And yeah, going forwards, I think it's going to be very difficult to figure out what we do with Arsenal if you want to bring another one back. I probably will be selling Gabriel. Will I want Odegaard back in? Probably. How will I make it work with Bryson having kind of loads and loads and loads of doubles <laughs> coming up? That's a difficult question. Um, but hey, I think that's one of the future Tom and future Lucy to, to contend with. We, we just yeah, don't know. They can worry about that. Yeah, I'm not, there's no point getting the future spreadsheet out now because hey, shit can change. Right, uh, final question. Um, this week moves on to transfers and captains. Goop says, with captains no longer perma stuck on Cap- Erling Haaland, who are the best candidates next three weeks. So we didn't own Jay, we didn't own Roger Sanchez, so neither of us probably are going to be making transfer because transfer after wild big card. Old yep, transfer after wild card, that is anathema. But next three weeks, you know, captain candidates, I think assuming Ivan has escaped getting a yellow card this week, which it looks like he has, Lucy. There are eight, eight, eight. There are there are eight minutes of extra time. <laughs> now in the now now in the seventh one, so something's going to happen. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I think it's going to have to be Tony this week. Maybe came the next and Rashford and double. I mean, obviously the next two are ones that are up in the air. But I mean, Everton, Southampton, admittedly two away games are Brentford less potent, but. In terms of the opposition, I think it probably is worth just, just going with Tony and hoping that there's some flat track brilliant going on, right? Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. As a, there's a t- tiny chance that I go for Matoma, but I think Tony's the obvious one, and sometimes it's better just not to overthink these things. As you said, the away factor's a little bit of a concern. That has been something that's made me look elsewhere a little bit, but I feel like he's we can see from the numbers that his ownership is already increasing. I'm assuming after a goal tonight, that'll continue. Um, it's just difficult to see a way around it at the moment. Yeah. And I don't think I'll go for a single week over them because that seems like a complete, you know, betrayal of everything we talk about. So yeah, there's an outside chance of Matoma, but probably Tony. All it will take is, you know, one James Tarkovsky lunge in the area and then it's all worth it. That's the thing, when you've got someone who's so reliable at penalties, it's that when they get given one, you're like, oh, that's a goal, that's great. Obviously, now I've jinxed that whole thing now. Oh, thanks, Lucy. Uh, but yeah, his, his penalty record is just ridiculous, so that's a, it's a, that's a big plus in his... Oh, joking. Fulham, Fulham, Fulham scored last minute. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Prayer. Yeah, last minute prayer assist as well. So there you go, that's a, that's a 98 minutes, 30 seconds. Oh dear, hey, is what it is. Um, yeah. So on on that somber note, I think we should probably 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 end. Yeah, sorry, we, really? yeah. probably. Uh, back next week with a mid double game week edition yet again to tell you how it's going, um, and probably just pay homage to those people who own 
or bought Mo Salah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. You can find Tom on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Hynett with two t's if you enjoyed listening to this please like and subscribe to the podcast for new listeners out there if you think you'll be coming back please hit that five star rating across platforms like itunes and spotify so more people can enjoy the pod yes that's it speak next week enjoy the rest of your week and i hope we assisted you feel better about your fpl life somehow throughout that weird meandering discussion about what's been going on speak to you next monday take care speak later Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.